Hi, I'm Matt Richter, and I'm here with Tiagi, and we're uh, here to do the Tiagi Training Intelligence Podcast. Welcome to Episode 6, Magic, and I should say, Happy April Fool's Day. Hi, Tiagi. Hello, Matt, uh, but I think I have laryngitis today. Uh, I don't know if I can talk. Shall we skip the show? Uh, April Fool, April Fool. I, I think you pulled one over on everyone. Uh, okay, good. I'm doing good. There are some people who wish I have lost my voice. Here we go. Hey, they're only the people related to you. Uh, exactly. So, hey, if you hear any background noise, it's Cappuccino the cat. Okay. He's decided to uh, join us. Wonderful. She is an excellent listener. She is actually a familiar. Uh, okay, what are we talking about today, Matt? We're talking about magic. So you've used, uh, you were a street corner magician back in Chennai when you were a kid, and you've yeah. used magic for years in, in our training programs. In fact, uh, in the very first program that I ever uh, attended that you led, uh, you taught me magic squares, which, of course, is not a magic trick, but at the time it seemed like it. Uh, that is wonderful, Matt. So, yep, uh, one of the claims I make, which uh, happens to be very true, that a lot of things I learned about uh, training, about uh, getting people's attention, maintaining their attention, directing their attention, misdirecting their attention, and the things of that nature I learned in the street corners of Chennai performing magic tricks. So I make extensive use of magic, and uh, that is an interesting topic we can chat about. So how, how, how does magic work in a training program? Uh, it, it seems like it, it's pretty uh, out there as, as an activity. How, how would you classify it in the, the bigger hierarchy of training activities? One of the main, main, main things I make sure I'm very careful is I do magic with an instructional message, with a learning point that is relevant to the training topic I'm exploring on that day. So I don't do magic tricks just for the fun of it or just to get people's attention. I relate it to whatever topic I am trying to teach. And I will give you some examples of that. I think that is the absolute key important principle in using instructional magic, Matt. Uh, in many ways, though, they're, they're a subset of jolts. Yes, that is one way you can do it, except all jolts require to be done quickly. However, if we do a stage illusion, like solving a woman in half, by the way, I used to do that, but that woman now lives in Chennai and Mumbai. Uh, that, that takes a long period of time, so it doesn't fall into the jolts category in terms of time, but it definitely falls into the jolts category 
in terms of startling people, waking them up, making them re-examine the assumptions they have. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. There are lots of tricks I've seen you do uh, in front of a classroom. You once levitated someone as well. I forgot how I did that. Uh, you dropped them, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you, uh, you did levitation. Did the, the important training point on that day was um, you got to keep on practicing. <laughs> right. <laughs> do you have a trick you can show us? Oh, sure. Uh, I have a trick I cannot show you, but I can tell you meaning. Oh, this is an auditory trick. I will demonstrate that with you. And in the meantime, our listeners can also participate along with you, follow the instructions. This requires a piece of paper and a pencil. And uh, you got a paper and pencil, Matt? Yeah, I'm ready. And uh, if you're listening, please uh, grab a piece of paper and a pencil, but try not to do that if you're listening to me while you're driving. Okay, here we go. Matt, select a year, any year between 1,000 and this year, which is 2010. Write that down on your piece of paper. Got it. For example, I chose 1928 and wrote it down, which happens to be my birth year. So, uh, whatever number you have written, here is what I want for you to do. We are going to go through the arcane mysteries of numerology. We are going to reverse the digits of the number you wrote. In my case, 1928, if I reverse it, it will be 8291. In other words, it will be 8291. So will you reverse your numbers and write them down, please? Got it. Okay. Now, obviously, one of these two numbers is going to be greater than the other number unless you chose 1,111, in which case they will be equal. So, assuming you did not choose 1111, will you please write the bigger of the two numbers on top and write the smaller number below that? In my case, it will be 8,291 on top, and below that, one nine two eight. Got it. Can you subtract the smaller number from the bigger number, please? You can use a calculator if you need. Got it. Okay. Your answer may have four digits, three digits, two digits, or single digit, depending on the random number you selected. So, how many digits you have? We are going to do a digital manipulation, and this is how we do it. Take each of the digits in your answer mm-hmm. and add them to each other. For example, if in my case the answer is 423, I will add 4 to 2, which is 6, and then 6 to 3, which is 9, and things like that. Go ahead. Add the digits. Got it. 
Hey, Matt, you may now have a single-digit number or a two-digit number or in some cases even a three-digit number. Keep extracting the digital root by adding the digits one to the other. Please focusing on your computation. Got it. Good. Now, keep on doing it until you are reduced it to a single digit, which is the magical digit, which is your lucky number. Okay. Okay. And I'm hoping other people who have been following along with us also have a single digit. Matt, I'm going to hook up my phone to a light detector. Your job is to say the numbers beginning with zero, one number at a time, all the single-digit numbers up to nine. However, when you say that, make sure you do not, do not give away the answer you got. For example, if the answer is five, don't hesitate too long, don't falter, don't let your pitch level go different. You're trying to calmly count all 10 numbers beginning with zero as if they are all equal value, hiding your mysterious, magical number in that. So everybody, including Matt, please go ahead and count from one, zero to nine. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wow. I think uh, my computer showed there were three possible candidates. Uh, let me fine-tune it. Could you repeat uh, these three numbers, please? Three, nine, two. Three, nine, two. Repeat these three numbers, please. Three, nine, two. Ah, uh, did you notice when you said nine, your voice kind of cracked and the syllable, the, the phoneme was elongated? Okay, Matt, your magical number is nine. Yes, you, it was. Wow, use it for good purposes. <laughs> okay. So that is an example of a type of magic trick which is a mentalism effect, a mind-reading trick. So here are a couple of ways I can use it. One approach will be to stop right here and say, okay, Matt, figure out how I did it. Get into a group with your imaginary friends and see if we can map the process I used, retrace my steps, and see if we can figure it out. So this will be an approach I will use when I'm training people on critical thinking. So after they fumble around for a few minutes, I will ask them, what approach did you use? Did you try to plug in different beginning numbers? What effect does it have on the final solution? And 
then I would probably even say, is that any mathematician among you, or should you ask a mathematician? And obviously, some of the steps could be just for misdirection. Do you think there were some useless steps just to mislead you? So I would keep on asking questions, having people come up with hypotheses, conduct experiments, and so on. So the magic trick becomes a metaphor for some event in the world where you're trying to find out through critical, logical analysis exactly what is happening. So that is one example of using magic. How do you do the trick? Ah, if I have to tell you, I will have to kill you. So after I finished doing the trick, everybody asked me, how did you do it? How did you do it? I use it as an opportunity to explain to people the need for closure. Curiosity as a highly motivating human phenomena. I will use that to talk to people about establishing readiness for learning. People want to know how it is done. And so they're not going to leave you alone. They're not going to focus on anything else. They want to find out how the trick is done. By the way, Matt, uh, here is how it is done. doesn't matter what number you begin with. Uh, if you repeat the steps, write down a four-digit number, reverse the digits, subtract the lower number from the higher number, add the digits in the answer, keep repeating the process until you end up with a single digit. And Matt, would you believe it, that single digit will always be the number nine. What about with uh, uh, 1111? 1111, uh, 11, so um, that is going to screw us up. And I'm glad you brought that up. So you amend your instruction to say, like any year after 11-12 or something like that. Got or write any four-digit number where none of the digits are repeated. Got it. Okay. A couple of other uses for magic tricks. Sometimes I conduct a magic trick and then explain how it works. And I say, okay, here is how we are doing it. And what does this magic trick or what does this strategy reflect in your workplace? Does something like this happen? For example, one of the magic tricks I do uses a confederate, a shill, among the spectators and he signals to me which card is selected by rubbing his chin or uh, scratching his nose or something like that and after i do the work 
And after I explain how it is done, I say, here is an example of a true teamwork where one of the team members did all of the work and was transparent, was willing to get another member of the team get the credit. And how does this relate to teamwork in your organization? Have you ever done something like this? And if you did it, did you feel resentful? So we can pursue that as a teamwork kind of a jolt man. There was a, there's a trick you do called Six of Diamonds mm-hmm. uh, that has worked really well in a lot of different contexts. Can you walk us through that? Oh, sure. Okay. Here is what I do, and folks, you can try it at home also. So before you begin the activity, you pull out a card, any card from a deck of shuffled cards, stick it inside an envelope, and you uh, set aside the rest of the deck. You call somebody, and I will pretend you are my friend, Matt, and ask him. Glad you have to pretend. I know. Hey, Matt, in a deck of cards, there are black cards and red cards. And what card do you prefer? But in order for people to follow along with this magic trick, folks, imagine the random card I placed in the envelope is a six of diamonds. That is the card I should focus on, and that is the card... I'm going to force Matt to select. So this is how it goes. I ask Matt, Matt, which type of cards do you prefer, red cards or black cards? Red. Okay, good. I'm glad that you chose red. Now, among red cards, there are hearts and diamonds. So let us throw away the black cards and let us take the red cards, hearts and diamonds of these. Which suit do you prefer? Hearts. Okay. Let us wait here for a moment. We will rewind the tape. So, hello, Matt. There are red cards and black cards. Which color do you prefer? Red. Okay. Hey, give me the other thing. I want to demonstrate. Oh, sorry. Black. <laughs> okay. Good. So... Matt, you love black cards. Here is what I want for you to do. There are 26 black cards in the deck. I want you to take those 26 black cards and put them in your pocket as a souvenir for this wonderful experience we are having. So here is what is happening, Matt. If he says red, I check it against my objective, which is six of diamonds. That's a red card. I continue. If he says black, I check it against my objective, which is six of diamonds, and I come up with some way of getting rid of the black cards without saying that's a stupid answer. So, uh, okay, we are now back into red cards, and you selected hearts. Yes. Does hearts correspond to the goal I'm going toward? No. No because it is six of diamonds. So I say, Matt, I knew you are that, that kind 
นะครับแปดแสน What I want to do is for you to take all of the hot cards and take them, put them in your pocket, so you can play with them later. That just leaves us 13 diamond cards to work with. So, Matt, diamond cards are pictures or numbers? Which one do you prefer? I like the face cards, picture cards. Ah, very good. How many picture cards are that, Matt? Uh, three if you don't include the ace. Very good. So we will take the jack of diamonds, the queen of diamonds, and the king of diamonds and put them in your pocket because you love them. We are left with the lousy, bland, useless number cards. So among these number cards, Matt, do you like odd numbers or even numbers? I like even numbers. Very good. I knew you are not odd so let us work with even numbers. Do you like high even numbers or low even numbers? Higher numbers. Okay. Uh, just to rewind the tape, if you had said odd numbers, what would I have told? I, I think it's great that you, you love numbers that are unique. And uh, uh, so why don't you stick those in your pocket? Very good. So we are now... Uh, I asked you, do you like high or low even numbers? And what did you say? Higher numbers. Higher numbers. So that is 8 and 10. Take 8 and 10 and stick it in your pocket. That leaves us 2, 4, and 6. Right, Matt? Yes. Okay. Uh, so uh, you, you get the idea. Here is the grand denouement. Uh, I ask you of these three cards, which card? Would you like to give to your friend a cappuccino? Uh, four. Four. Okay, great. Cappuccino is happy. And that leaves two and six. So of these two cards, Matt, which card? By the way, if he said six, I say great, wonderful, miracle. Open the envelope, you will find the cappuccino's card. But you selected four. So we gave that the cappuccino. That leaves two and six. Of these two cards, which card would you like to give me? Six. Did he say six? Yes. Very good. Okay. So you have mysterious ways of moving uh, physical objects on this world. So will you open the envelope, find a single card inside, this is the card you wanted to give to me. Thank you. And so it turns out to be a six of diamonds. If you did say two of diamonds, I say, wow, Matt, that leaves only one card in the entire deck. We started with 52 cards. We ended with one single card. Open the envelope and pull out the card. Wow, you are psychic. Okay, Matt. So this is the magic trick. <coughs> I use this trick when the people come to me and ask me, how do I become a facilitator? How do I acquire the skill to be able to think on my feet? How do I invite participants to give me content, give me ideas? How do I make sure I handle all of them equally well and not feel some of the ideas are stupid, I tell them, do this magic.
magic trick. It teaches you the essence of being a facilitator and do it 52 times. Each day, pull out another card, stick it in an envelope, do the trick with your friend, do the trick with your enemy, with an older person, young person, with a male, with a female, with a dog. So keep on doing the same thing. Learn how to focus on your goal. Learn how to incorporate all inputs from the participant. So, uh, and very seriously, if you or any of our listeners want to become skilled in thinking on their feet, being flexible, being a facilitator, keep trying this activity. We'll also use it in management training. Say, uh, you, you know, your uh, tell job. Tell me more about it. Yeah. How, how would you use it? So your job as a manager is to find a way to enable your team to succeed. And one of the ways to do that is to not lose sight of your goals. But at the same time, the way you get to the goals needs to to uh, feel like it's coming from the employees, that they feel like they have some semblance of choice. Uh, that they uh, have the capability to to go down the path they want to to get there, and that each employee is going to get there a different way. Yep, and I think the key concept, Matt, as you very clearly pointed out, it is empowering employees, friends, participants, students, whoever you want. You give them a say, and listen to all inputs with respect and at the same time don't take your eyes off the prize. Yeah, and I, I think one, one of the questions we get, whether we're doing facilitation or using it in a management context, is, um, is don't people feel manipulated? Uh, and, and uh, you know, when when they realize that you were controlling the situation the whole time, and the the answer is you have to authentically provide the choices and mm. not lose sight of the goal. And um, if people perceive that they have choices, then they have them. Wonderful concept, wonderful objection. You are absolutely right. There are a couple of ways I can respond to that, Matt. <coughs> One is to say all training is manipulating. Yeah. Uh, another one is to say all management is to get the people do what you want by bringing out the best in them, by giving them the freedom of choice. Life itself is a combination of freedom and structure. As Mahatma Gandhi used to say, this is liberating discipline. So that is one approach I can take. And the other approach I can take in the spirit of six diamonds, I will say, you are absolutely right, Matt. This is manipulation. So let us sit down and see how many different ways can we provide an authentic choice and still work together with our colleagues, co-workers, associates in achieving a goal and things of that nature. So I just brought up one of the uh, pushbacks that we'll sometimes get as we debrief the Six of Diamonds. 
What what are some of the other risks or issues that come up uh, that you, as a facilitator, have to to manage or be conscious of uh, when running magic tricks as activities? Good idea. Let me let me give. Uh, uh, b- by the way, uh, unlike real magicians, I always explain how the trick is done. So one pushback, if I don't explain it, could be that how come you did not tell us? Another pushback, when you explain it, people will say, ah, that is so easy, so stupid, and that is a feeling of letdown. And I use it to explain that all innovative, creative, breakthrough ideas on second thought becomes so easy, you keep wondering, why did I not think of it? The, the key is to make it extremely relevant to what we are trying to teach. Yeah, and I, I think sometimes the, uh, the challenge is um, it, uh, the uh, attraction as a facilitator, for me at least, is doing the magic trick is cool. And so I'll want to run the magic trick, and I'm not always sure I always have a good, relevant objective for doing so. Yes. And because it's so attractive to run it, because you get a great audience response. Exactly. And by the way, I think we are running out of time, so let me give you quickly some of the other uses I have for magic tricks. One of them is teaching people process mapping and saying, here is the trick, recall what I did, and map the process, and maybe you'll find out how it is done. Another approach I use is reverse engineering. The ultimate goal of this trick is for you to throw the deck of cards on the ceiling and the chosen card sticks to the ceiling. That is the goal. Now, let us figure out how to arrive at that wonderful final result. Obviously, I talked about critical thinking. Another approach we can use magic tricks is to say, you don't have to memorize all of the steps in a magic trick. You can use a job aid. Another approach I use for magic is the whole issue of how do you how different people learn different ways so i teach somebody how to do a magic trick and ask that person to teach other people and then i teach the same trick in a different way some by hands-on some by just watching some by listening and i show different people how different learning style preferences. So these are some of the various ways I can use magic for, but the major approach I use in doing management training, Matt, is to use the magic trick as a metaphor for some strategy. Uh, We have a bunch of tricks posted on our website, is that right? That is correct. And if you go to our website, tiagi.com, and uh, type magic in our search engine, you will get a bunch of learning activities that incorporate magic. 
And none of the tricks are difficult to learn to maneuver. Exactly. If I can learn them, they should be truly uh, automatic, self-working, and idiot-proof, Matt. Right. Yeah, they're not like having to uh, learn how to run uh, uh, the ball game or, or uh, uh, cups exactly. and balls or doing yeah, exactly. rope tricks. These do not require any sleight of hand. These are automatic uh, working tricks. Great. Uh, any last words on magic? Okay. Uh, may all your training activities be totally magical. And feel free to uh, think of this whole entire episode as an April Fool's joke. It is not. <laughs> that becomes a circular question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what's our topic for uh, the next episode? Um, what I want to do is uh, actually talk about rapid instructional design for e-learning. Great. Perfect. And we will have that episode up in the next couple of weeks. Yes, so, uh, Feel free to catch us uh, on iTunes. Uh, all you have to do is uh, do a search for the Tiagi Group or even Tiagi at this point. Uh, and you can find both this podcast and our sister podcast, The Business Intelligence Show, on iTunes. Alternatively, go to Tiagi.com and you can uh, download or subscribe to any of the podcasts directly from our website. So thanks for uh, joining Matt, us. Matt, Matt, one question. Does it cost me money if I want to go to iTunes? Absolutely not. It is completely free. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't even go to our website to download these podcasts. I, uh, iTunes is so simple uh, to use. Shouldn't have said that, huh? Okay. But, uh, yeah, iTunes is very easy, and it automatically goes right onto your iPod or your iPhone or whatever system you use to listen to podcasts. Nice to know. Thank you, Matt. So, yeah, very simple. Uh, and uh, we'll be back. This episode has been brought to you by the Tiagi Group. I'm Matt, and he's Tiagi. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.